0: welcome to the immortal souls podcast where we explore the history stories myths legends and hype that make shoes what they are today we are jared and nick two brothers with a passion for shoes We are excited to have you along for the journey. Hey everybody, welcome. Pull up a chair, don't be shy. You know, with summer winding down and things cooling off a little bit, there's nothing I like better than camping out in the middle of nowhere. With a good campfire, a dark and starry night, some s'mores, some cold beverages, good company, and of course, some good stories to tell around the fire. Speaking of stories, interestingly enough, there are actually a lot of stories, uh, fairy tales, folk tales, fables, you name it, both ancient and more recent, that have to do with shoes. Well, that's obviously right up our alley, so what the heck. Let's get cozy around the fire and tell a few stories. Tonight, we've got a couple of tales to tell. Maybe you've heard them before, and maybe not. Oh, hey Nick, FYI, uh, your marshmallow's on fire, buddy.
1: Ah, dang it. it. happens every time. Hey, Jared, can you toss me that bag of marshmallows, please?
0: <laughs> you got it. Our first tale comes from an ancient collection of Middle Eastern stories known as the Thousand and One Nights. If when hearing this title you instantly think Aladdin, you're absolutely right. These are basically a bunch of stories compiled during the Islamic Golden Age, so we're talking roughly between the 8th and 14th centuries. Often translated into English as the Arabian Nights, these stories were translated over the span of many centuries by countless scholars, translators, and authors throughout parts of Asia and North Africa. These tales trace their roots back to ancient and medieval Arabic, Greek, Indian, Persian, Jewish, and Turkish folklore and literature. Those of us in the West are probably familiar with a few of the more famous of these stories, such as Aladdin's Wonderful Lamp, Ali Baba and the Forty Thieves, and The Seven Voyages of Sinbad the Sailor. These stories are so well known, in fact, that they practically have become a part of Western folklore. But have you heard the story about Abu Qasem's shoes? Once upon a time in the city of Baghdad, there was a wealthy merchant named Abu Qasim. Abu was known far and wide throughout the land and was the subject of much gossip, not for his wealth, but for being greedy and a miser. You see, Abu bargained very hard to pay as little money as possible for things, and he never spent any money on other people or even on himself. As an example, he wore the same old smelly pair of shoes for years, never buying a new pair. Over time, the shoes got old and worn and stained. But whenever a tear appeared in the shoes, Abu would take them to the cobbler and get the shoes patched up, and he would continue to wear them for years to come. It got to the point that the shoes became very heavy and clumsy looking. And it was proverbial in the city to say that a thing was as clumsy as Abu Qasem's shoes. As he walked through the bazaars and marketplaces, the merchants laughed at his shoes and his friends would say, Abu Qasem, your shoes are as ugly as can be, and you look ridiculous wearing them. You are a rich man. Go buy a new pair of shoes. Abu Qasem would merely shake his head and say, These shoes are just fine. I am going to wear them forever." Every day, he walked through the bazaars and marketplaces, haggling with the bottle salesmen, the rug sellers, the silk proprietors, and the perfume merchants for bargains. He would then take the goods to another marketplace and sell them for triple their price. As time went on, Abu Qasem became exceedingly wealthy, but still, he wore the same old pair of shoes. One day, he visited the public bath to bathe. After finishing and putting his clothes back on, he noticed that his old shoes were gone. And in their place stood a shiny and beautiful new pair of shoes, made of exquisite silks and fancy embellishments. Ah, fortune smiles on me yet again, thought he. Abu smiled, thinking his friends had switched out the shoes, meaning to honor him with a new pair. He put on the new shoes and walked home, feeling smug and content. Soon after Abu Qasem left, the head judge of Baghdad rose out of the bath. After he dressed, he bid his servants to fetch his shoes. Distressed, his servants informed him that the shoes were gone, and in their stead was an ugly, smelly, old pair of shoes. Enraged, the judge exclaimed, "'Someone has stolen my shoes!' Everyone at the bath instantly recognized the old shoes and they told the judge that Abu Qasem had stolen his shoes. The judge immediately sent his servants to search Abu Qasem's house where, predictably, they found the judge's shoes. The judge then ordered Abu to court, where he sentenced him to prison for a time and fined him a large sum of money for the thievery. After being released from prison, while walking home and feeling furious towards his shoes... Abu Qasem exclaimed, "'These shoes dishonor me, "'and I have been severely punished for their sake!' Without a further thought, he took the shoes and flung them into the Tigris River, where the swift currents quickly carried them downstream. A week later, Abu Qasem heard a knock on his door. And when he answered it, there stood two angry fishermen. Waving his old, soggy shoes in his face, they remarked, "'We cast our nets into the river!' And instead of getting fish, all we pulled up were these smelly old shoes. They have ripped a big hole in our net, and you now owe us the money we have lost for the damage caused by these shoes. Greatly distressed, Abu Qasem promptly paid the fisherman a large bag of coins and sent them on their way. After closing the door, he pulled on his beard and wailed, These shoes only cause me grief and trouble. I must get rid of them for good. That same night, he went into the corner of his yard and started digging a hole to bury the troublesome shoes, hoping to end the misfortune they had caused him. His neighbors, hearing the sound of the digging, arose in fright and thought Abu Qasem was trying to dig a tunnel into their home. They complained to the governor of the city, who summoned for and apprehended Abu Qasem. How dare you dig tunnels into your neighbor's homes, he scolded. After which he threw Abu Qasem into prison for the second time and ordered him to pay another large fine. After being released from prison in a fit of rage, Abu Qasem, with the shoes in his hand, stormed to the local inn, where he took off the shoes and threw them into the latrine. But the shoes blocked the latrine's pipe, causing it to overflow, and a horrible stench wafted through not just the inn, but the surrounding neighborhood. The neighbors, unable to bear the horrid stench, sought out the cause of the blockage and found it to be Abu Qasem's old pair of shoes. The old smelly shoes were taken to the governor, where once again, Abu Qasem was thrown into prison and he was fined double the amount from the last fine and ordered to pay for the repair of the latrine. Upon his release, Abu Qasem was in complete despair as the shoes had caused him unbearable grief and great financial loss. I shall never get rid of these shoes, he wailed. After washing the shoes, he set them out on the roof to dry in the sun with the intention to burn them afterwards. While the shoes were drying... A neighborhood dog happened upon them, and, thinking they were dried meat, took one of the shoes in its mouth and jumped from one rooftop to the next. While jumping, the shoe fell out of the dog's mouth and struck the head of a passerby below, greatly injuring him. As a crowd formed to help the injured passerby, the shoe was recognized as belonging to Abu Qasem. It was taken to the judge, who, thoroughly exasperated, shouted at Qasem, Your shoes are destroying our town! At that, he ordered Abu Qasem to not only pay all of the injured person's medical expenses as well as additional compensation, but for punishment, he ordered Abu Qasem to pay a large fine, which exhausted the last of his money. Abu Qasem was left penniless, destitute and downtrodden. Abu Qasem took his old shoes in his hand and approached the judge, explaining the entire history of the cursed shoes and the many misfortunes they had caused him. Laying prostrate before the judge, he begged, "'Your Honor, these shoes have caused me nothing but misery and misfortune. Please release me from the curse of these shoes and sign a document stating that there is no connection between me and the shoes and that I am not liable for any further trouble they may cause.'" Shaking his head and laughing, the judge granted his request and signed the document, releasing Abu Qasem from any further liability with respect to the shoes. Abu Qasem had learned, at great cost, the evil that can befall one who is a slave to avarice and parsimony. And from that day on, Abu Qasem was never seen wearing an old pair of shoes
1: again. Well, Jared, after hearing this story, I think we owe it to ourselves to go out and buy a new pair of shoes. I, for one, definitely don't want to get cursed because we're stuck wearing some old shoes.
0: (laughs) Nick, you took the words right out of my mouth. You know, I have been eyeing some pretty sweet Air Jordans coming out in a couple of weeks, so I think the prudent and, dare I say, safe thing to do here would be to definitely go out and buy those new shoes.
1: Our next tale comes from a collection of folk stories from the brother Grimm. Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm were German academics, scholars, linguists, and folklorists who are best known for collecting German and other European folk tales during the 19th century. Among the most well-known of these stories are Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, Rapunzel, Hansel and Gretel, or Hansel, and yes, Cinderella which, as we all know, involves shoes, or more accurately, glass slippers. These tales, and many other tales collected by the Brothers Grimm, have been translated into over 100 languages, and, while not intended as children's stories per se, thanks to a little bit of pixie dust and a lot of Disney magic, have been adapted into some of the most beloved and well-known children's fairy tales and movies of our generation. With fall in the air and Halloween on the horizon, here is a lesser-known, slightly darker, grim fairy tale that, like Cinderella, deals with our favorite article of clothing. Let's all channel our inner Bob Ross, have a happy little listen, and beat the devil out of this next story. Take a listen to The Grave Mound. a rich farmer was one day standing in his yard inspecting his fields and gardens. The corn was growing up vigorously and the fruit trees were heavily laden with fruit. The grain of the year before still lay in such immense heaps on the floors that the rafters could hardly bear it. Then he went into the stable where there were well-fed oxen, fat cows, and sturdy horses. At length, he went back into his sitting room and cast a glance at the iron chest in which his money lay. While he was thus standing and admiring his riches, all at once there was a loud knock close by him. The knock was not at the door of his room, but at the door of his heart. It opened, and he heard a voice which said to him, "'Have you done good to your family with your wealth? "'Have you donated to the poor?' Have you shared your bread with the hungry? Have you been content with what you have, or have you always desired to have more?" His heart was not slow in answering. I have been hard and pitiless, and have never shown any kindness to my own family. If a beggar came, I turned away my eyes from him. I have not troubled myself about doing good, but have thought only of increasing my wealth. If everything which the sky covers had been mine own, I should still not have had enough. When he was aware of this answer, he was greatly alarmed. His knees began to tremble, and he was forced to sit down. Then there was another knock, but this time the knock was at the door of his house. It was his neighbor, a poor man who had many children whom he could no longer provide food for. I know, thought the poor man, that my neighbor is rich, but he is as hard as he is rich. I don't believe he will help me, but my children are starving, so I will take a chance and try and reach out to him. He said to the rich man, You do not readily give away anything that is yours, but I stand here like one who feels the water rising above his head. My children are starving. Lend me four measures of corn. The rich man looked at him long and then the first sunbeam of mercy began to melt away a drop of the ice of greediness. I will not lend you four measures, he answered, but I will give you eight measures of corn, but you must fulfill one condition. What am I to do? said the poor man. When I am dead, you must watch over my grave for three nights. The peasant was disturbed in his mind at this request, but in the dire situation in which he was, He would have consented to anything. He accepted, therefore, and carried the corn home with him. It seemed as if the rich man had foreseen what was about to happen, for when three days were gone by, he suddenly dropped down dead. No one knew exactly how it came to pass, but no one grieved for him. When he was buried, the poor man remembered his promise. He would willingly have been released from it, but he thought, after all, He showed me kindness. I have fed my hungry children with his corn, and even if that were not the case, where I have once given my promise, I must keep it. At nightfall, he went into the churchyard and seated himself on the grave mound. Everything was quiet. Only the moon appeared above the grave, and frequently an owl flew past and uttered her melancholy cry. When the sun rose, the poor man hurried to the safety of his home, and in the same manner the second night passed quietly by. On the evening of the third day, he felt a strange uneasiness. It seemed to him that something was about to happen. When he went out, he saw, by the graveyard wall, a man whom he had never seen before. He was an older man and had scars on his face, and his eyes looked sharply and eagerly around. He was entirely covered with an old cloak, and nothing was visible but his great riding boots. "'What are you looking for here?' the peasant asked. "'Are you not afraid of the lonely graveyard?' "'I am looking for nothing,' he answered, "'and I am afraid of nothing. "'I am nothing but a paid-off soldier, and I mean to pass the night here, "'because I have no other shelter.' If you are without fear, said the peasant, stay with me and help me to watch that grave there. To keep watch is a soldier's business, he replied. Whatever we fall in with here, whether it be good or bad, we will share it between us. The peasant agreed to this and they seated themselves on the grave together. All was quiet until midnight when suddenly a shrill whistling was heard in the air and the two watchers perceived the devil standing right before them. (laughs) "'Be off, you ragamuffins!' he cried to them. "'The man who lies in that grave belongs to me. "'I want to take him, and if you don't go away, I will wring your necks.' "'Sir, with the horns and cloven feet,' said the soldier, "'you are not my captain. I have no need to obey you, "'and I have not yet learned how to fear. Go away.' We shall stay sitting here. The devil thought to himself, Money is the best thing with which to get hold of these two vagabonds. So he began to play a softer tune, and asked quite kindly if they would not accept a bag of money and go home with it. That is worth listening to, answered the soldier, but one bag of gold won't serve us. If you will give as much as will go into one of my boots, we will leave the graveyard for you and go away. I don't have that much money with me, said the devil, but I will fetch it. In the neighboring town lives a money-changer who is a good friend of mine, and he will readily advance it to me. When the devil had vanished, the soldier took his left boot off and said to the trembling peasant, We will soon trick the evil one. Just give me your knife, comrade. He cut the sole off of the boot and put it in the high grass near the grave on the edge of a hole that was half overgrown that will do he said now we are ready for the devil to come back they both sat down and waited and it was not long before the devil returned with a small bag of gold in his hand just pour it in said the soldier raising up the boot a little but that won't be enough the black one shook out all that was in the bag the gold fell through and the boot remained empty "'Stupid devil!' cried the soldier. "'It won't do! Didn't I say so at once? Go back again and bring more!' The devil shook his head, went, and in an hour's time came back with a much larger bag under his arm. "'Now pour it in!' cried the soldier. "'But I doubt the boot won't be full!' The gold clinked as it fell, but the boot remained empty." The devil looked in himself with his burning eyes and convinced himself of the truth. You have shamefully big calves to your legs, cried he, and made a wry face. Did you think, replied the soldier, that I had a cloven foot like you? Since when have you been so stingy? See that you get more gold together, or our bargain will come to nothing. The wicked one went off again. This time he stayed away longer, and when at length he came back, he was panting under the weight of an enormous sack of gold, which lay on his shoulders. He emptied it into the boot, which was just as far from being filled as before. He became furious, and was just going to tear the boot out of the soldier's hands. But at that moment, the first ray of the rising sun broke forth from the sky, and the devil fled away with loud shrieks. The poor soul was saved. The peasant and the soldier divided the large stash of gold, and the soldier said, Give what falls to my lot to the poor. I will come with you to your cottage, and together we will live in rest and peace on what remains, as long as God is pleased to permit. And so they lived out the rest of their days in peace and comfort.
0: Well, that's all for tonight. The fire's getting low, and I'm getting tired. I hope you've all enjoyed these tells, and hopefully they were some ones you haven't heard before. So I hope you all have a good... Wait. What in the heck was that sound...
1: Um, Jared, the crickets aren't really chirping anymore. Oh, man. Okay. Don't panic, but I swear I just saw someone or something. I don't know what exactly, but it's really tall. I think it has antlers. And it's, it's behind those trees over there. Can deer even stand on their hind legs? Don't. Don't move. There's like four or five of them and I think they're coming towards us.
0: (laughs) Serious? Nick, don't play games with me.
1: This, this is not funny. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of the Immortal Souls Podcast. For more information, show notes, pictures, or just to say hi, check us out at ImmortalSoulsPodcast.com, Instagram, or Twitter. Original theme music by Scott Spriggs. Five-star reviews are always helpful and hugely appreciated. Until next time, keep walking the roads less traveled.